Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. for regular people podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start continue and finish the goals that matter most to you my name is brady ross and i'm so glad that you've tuned in today this is our 30th episode and it's hard to believe we've already come so far at the same time i feel like we're only getting started and i hope you're as excited for the future as i am If this is your first time listening, we're so glad to have you here. Don't forget to subscribe to our show so you'll have easy access to all our future episodes. We would also greatly appreciate a rating and a review if you find the content helpful or inspiring in any way. Today's guest is Greg Birch. Greg suffered from PTSD, anxiety, and depression for years after leaving the military. However, through the pursuit of discipline and a strong mindset, Greg has transformed his life. He's become a well-known coach, a business consultant, and a podcast host. Greg's passion is to enable men facing weight and mental health issues to transform their lives and reclaim their potential. I was so enamored by Greg's story that I spent the first part of the interview simply sitting back and letting him share in depth about his experience. So if you don't hear my voice for a while, know that I haven't gone anywhere. I'm just following along as you are. I know you'll be better after listening to what Greg has to say, and I hope you walk away inspired as you think about how Greg has overcome his past experience and transformed his life into what it is today. So let's get right into it. Here is Greg Birch. Greg, so good to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing some time with us. Brady, I appreciate you having me, man. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be on anyone's show and just be able to provide value wherever I can. Well, I know that that will happen from this conversation, so I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, just getting to know you a little bit here, kind of shooting the breeze before the recording started. Sounds like you have a very interesting life story, so I'd love to just hear you kind of walk through where you've been and how that's led you to where you are now. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Brady. I appreciate it. Um, so I am, uh, I was a prior army officer. You know, I, I, I went into the army right after college. I got an ROTC scholarship. 
at, uh, for, so I, as soon as I graduated, I commissioned as a second lieutenant. Um, I mean, nine 11 was my senior year of high school. So that was for me, it was like, I knew I was going to serve. And that was the first thing I knew it was just like, I'm, I'm going to war. Um, I applied for an RTC scholarship very late, right before I graduated college or I'm sorry, high school. And I got accepted after I started college. And so, um, did my four years in RTC graduated, got my commission and spent 11, 11 years in the military. And I, I had wonderful experience, you know, great training, met great people and, um, uh, deployments for me were, I mean, they were challenging and they were hectic and some crazy stuff happened here and there. But for the most part, I look, I look very fondly back on those experiences and, um, my, I was married. I got married when I was in college and we had our first child when I was young, I was on my 21st birthday, my oldest child was born on my 21st birthday. And, uh, we got married right after that. And we, we, we win the military together and that's very hard on families. My, uh, my ex-wife, um, her and I, we have four kids together and, and my first deployment to Iraq, um, she ended up cheating on me, which I don't blame her for. It was, it was, a a challenging deployment for both of us. Um, I found out about it afterwards. It was in 2009. And I, I didn't do anything about it. You know, at first I was like, she, she, during the deployment, she was so upset about me being deployed and she wanted me to get out of military. And my thing was like, no, man, like, this is my life. Like I want to serve, you know? And, and we, you know, we all, we knew going into this cause we got married before I got in. I was like, we knew that this, I was joining the team to, to play the game, not to sit on the bench kind of thing. And everything changed from the deployment. And so, um, you know, I tried to fight for the marriage, found that she cheated on me. And then I was just like, okay, fine. You want to get divorced? Let's get divorced. And that, that change in my attitude really made her to kind of change. And she was like, you know, let's wait till you get back. And so when we got back, we just flipped it under the rug. Like it didn't happen. And we continued on. We had two more kids. Cause by the time my, my first deployment, uh, right before I deployed my, my second daughter was born. So I had two kids when I was in Iraq and then we got pregnant with a third, right when I got back. And so um, that was out of Fort Hood, Texas. We left there, um, moved around a couple of times, and I went to Afghanistan in 2012, and I was in Fort Carson, Colorado. That deployment was much better. I didn't, there was no issues, right? We, we communicated a lot better. We'd learned the, from our mistakes. And when I got back, I, I applied for command with Fort Chuka. And um, when I was in command, uh, a childhood friend of mine that we grew up together, he lived literally four houses up the road from me. We knew each other since we were like toddlers. He passed away in his sleep. And um, I, I flew out to go be at his funeral. And since I was in command, my my wife, she she had bought the tickets to go to go to the uh to back home to go to the funeral. And I went by myself and I was in the I was in the airport a couple of days later looking for the tickets. I was going through her email and I was scrolling through and I saw a name that stuck out to me. And it was the name of the band that she had had an affair with me back in 2009, back in Texas. And I started going through her email and i realized that he had been keeping in contact with her ever since we left back, to, back in 2010 when I got back. And he was, she was, in, she was entertaining it. She was talking to him too. And they had a lot of, a lot of talks when I was in Afghanistan. And, and th that was the point for me when I was like, no, I'm not okay with this. And I got so mad. I got so angry. And so when I got back from that trip, there was a woman that was, um, 
that was worked in the same, she didn't work with me, but she was, she worked at uh, another, another captain, another officer that was like in conjunction, another unit very close to us, but she always flirted with me and I never paid any mind. And, um, I just gave her a little bit of attention and it just spiraled out of control. And I ended up cheating on my wife. Um, very short affair. And, uh, it ate at me for a long time. Well, I'd say a long time, like three months, three or four months. It started eating at me. And so I came forward and I told her about it. And then she told me about it because she thought I didn't know about the original affair, which I did. So we said, you know, we're going to go to counseling. We tried to go to counseling. Didn't really work out. Trust was gone. And we decided, we decided to separate. And that was, that was kind of the, the point for me that, um, that everything changed in my life. Like my career changed. I no longer found the same passion for serving and being in the military. I, uh, I, I fell into depression and that's probably one of the most depressing moments I can remember in my life. It's still very vivid it is the first day I came home that she had taken the kids. She took the kids. And when she went back home where we lived back in our hometown, cause we, her and I were in high school together and, uh, I came home and I was used to, you know, one day I came home and there's four kids that are all screaming and yelling and like, daddy, 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 play me. Like, you know, it's just excitement every single day I come home. And then the next day, just silence. The dogs are gone too. And it was, it was like deafening, man. It was the most depressed feeling I've ever had in my life. So, um, I did what most people do. I turned to alcohol and I just started drinking my problems away. And I turned to, um, getting companion and feeling, trying to feel love from uh, external sources from, from other women as, as, a uh, as once we got our divorce and I started this cycle, this like vicious cycle of relationship after relationship after relationship that was, that was toxic because it was the wrong person. I was just looking for any way I could feel loved and not feel alone. Cause I was so afraid of feeling alone and like being alone that I have to sit in my own thoughts. Right. And I had this dependency issue that just, that, that, that scaled and got bigger and bigger. It was like, it was like a, a demon inside of me. It was crazy. It was the most insane time of my life. And, um, anytime I felt even slightly alone, like I was like lonely, my thoughts would just start to spiral out of control. And one thought being like, I'm alone, you know, nobody loves me. And that would spiral to like, nobody even wants me around to like, I don't even want to be around to like, how do I, how do I end my life? in a way that like, wouldn't, wouldn't bother anybody. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't upset my family. And it wasn't like, I wanted to like kill myself to the point where people would be like, Oh man, like you're going to love me eventually kind of thing. Like I just wanted to just go, I just wanted to like go to sleep and like drift off and never wake up. And, uh, those thoughts that can spiral, it's like falling into gravity and it's, it, for anyone that's suffered depression like that, I can tell you, uh, I know what it's like. It, it, you literally do the thoughts jump from one to the next to the next very quickly. And it's like falling into gravity before you know what you're thinking before you know what, like if it seemed like a, a snap of a finger and I'm like looking up ways that I could peacefully kill myself. And I struggled with this for a long time, um, after my divorce and, uh, I masked it. I tried to get over it with uh, dating 
you know, trying to find love by dating different people. And so in 2018, um, I got out of the military in 2017 and in 2018, um, well, well, I'll back up in 2017, when I got out of the military, right before I got out, I met this girl at a bar. Um, cause I, I just got my, I just got word like, Hey, here's your final update for the military. And my buddy that was staying with me at the time, cause he was from, he's an, as he served in the military with me and he was from another state. He was actually just doing uh, a course at my duty station, which is Fort Huachuca, Arizona. Um, he was staying with me while he did this course and my roommate, I was living with a guy that was a, he was a lawyer actually. Um, he was my roommate. And we lived off of a golf course. It was in Sierra Vista. And uh, they were like, hey, let's take you to the bar. Let's go have some drinks. And I celebrate, you know, because I was like two weeks left before I got out of the military. And I'm like, I'm off. And I'd already, I already had a job lined up. I was supposed to come to Dallas-Fort Worth to come work with a friend of mine that was also somebody I served with in Iraq. And he got it out before me and all this, like everything was lined up. So uh, we go to the bar that night. And I end up running to some girl I've never seen before. And this is a small town, by the way. Like, for those of you who know Sierra Vista, like, it's this small. There's like one bar in the whole town. <laughs> like, and the, the town is like literally three streets that's the size of a triangle. And that's it. And there's like, there's like side streets in between. That's it. It's like the smallest town ever. And so, uh, never seen this girl before, you know, in this tiny little town. And uh, we just started talking and we talked all night. And then she was like, she could have swore. She was like, you got to be married. You know? And I was like, I'm not married. I promise you. <laughs> like I've been divorced for a while now. For like two years I've been divorced now. And so we kept talking and we, and we connected and we started dating a little bit, but I knew it was short lived because I was leaving. I, I told her that from the beginning. So I was like, I'm, I'm heading out. So I got to Dallas and we kept talking and she was like, you know, I miss you. And I was like, I miss you too. And so we ended up deciding right after I got to Dallas Fort Worth and like right after I got my house, we decided that she was going to move out because she had nothing that was keeping her there in Sierra Vista. Now she was a single mother. She had a little, like, I think at this month, at this time, her daughter was maybe 18 months old. Um, not even maybe like 15 months old. And, uh, the father of, of her child had never seen her like wanted nothing to do with her. So for all intents and purposes, she didn't have a dad and no one's claiming to, to take over parental custody. And so she ended up moving after we'd known each other for two and a half weeks. Uh, <laughs> and she moves in with me. Right. And I felt instantly, man, I felt, uh, I felt like this was a mistake. I felt trapped because now for all intents and purposes, I'm this kid's dad. I just got them to move across the country to live with me. I don't really know this girl, you know? And, uh, I was very unhappy, even though it was made me more scared and more fearful to be alone. Right. So it was like this rock and a hard spot that I was in, but I was just slowly killing myself, just being unhappy with this person that I, that was, I'm now living with <laughs> and like, she has all these different habits and I, I'm all like, I'm like, man, this is driving me nuts. You know, I'm going crazy. And it caused a lot of fights, a lot of stupid fights that, that, that could have been avo uh, avoided. Uh, but at the time, you know, we weren't equipped to communicate appropriately. And um, every single time that we get into a stupid fight, I, I, they would build over time. And it got to a point where every single time we did this fight, she would go straight to, I'm leaving. I'm done. I hate you. We're over. Right. 
And that would spiral me out of control because I'm like, I'm, she's leaving me. And now I'm like, I'm desperately trying to grasp on because I don't want to be alone. Right. So it's this roller coaster, right? Just emotional turmoil. And in May of 2018, um, we had one of those fights, really stupid. And I, I ended up drinking all day. It was like 10 a.m. We had this fight. She locked herself in our bedroom. And I started drinking. I'm spiraling. I'm talking to my friends. I'm talking to my buddy on the phone. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm drinking. I'm drinking all day. I ended up drinking like a half of a handle of Jack, but that was my drink of choice. And I, uh, about five o'clock hits and I had to go to work. I had to, well, I had to go do an appointment. I, I'm a, I'm an insurance broker at the time. I'm still in, but you know, a little different now, but I, I was a brand, I was a, as an agent and I was going in the home in the client's homes, having a whole sales pitch, et cetera, but I'd schedule appointments and I go sit with them and see how I could help them. And so I was like, man, I got an appointment at, I got an appointment at uh, six. So it's five o'clock. I was like, I got to go get, I got to go ahead of appointments. It's like a 30 minute drive. So I got to start getting ready. So I start, you know, I stumble upstairs, start getting dressed. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to the appointment. I got appointment at six. She's like, you're drunk. You're not going anywhere. I was like, nah, I'm fine. I'll be fine. And she's like, well, let me take you. Let me drive you. And I was like, no, you don't love me. You don't, you're not, you're leaving me. Like I'm getting all obstinate because I'm upset. You know, I'm hurt. And she comes over, tries to console me, has this whole conversation with me. And I tell, I, I, I was, this moment, I feel like, you know what? I'm going to tell you how I feel. Like, I'm just going to be really raw and transparent. And so I told her, I was like, hey, look, like when we get into these fights, when this happens and you jump straight to, you want to leave me? This is what it does to me, right? This is how it makes me feel. This is how I spiral out of control. And, and she, uh, and I told her, I told her exactly how I felt. That I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be alive anymore. That that I was feeling so alone and so abandoned every single time that happened that in each time was it getting worse and worse and worse. And as I'm telling her this, and I'm trying to explain to her, kind of like pour my heart out to her, I could just see, like, you know when you're talking to somebody and you just see their face just like go blank. And there's like, <laughs> like she was almost rolling her eyes. It's like she was struggling to not roll her eyes at me kind of thing. And, and I was like, what's that, what's that look for? Like, what do you, why are you look like that? And she just scoffed and she literally looked me in my eyes and she was like, well, why don't you go F and slit your wrist then? And that, that was the moment for me. That was like, a, it was like a, something snapped in my mind. I was like, yep, that's it. That's the sign. I'm not meant to be here. That was my sign that I do need to in my life. So I quietly, I just stopped talking, shut down, walked over to my, my, uh, my closet. And, uh, I had a gun and that was inside of a lock case, a pistol, Smith, Smith and Wesson MP nine. And, uh, I started unlocking the case, pull the case out, pull my keys out, start unlocking it. And as I'm doing it, she's like, what are you doing? And I was just ignoring her. Like I unlock it. I open up the case, I pull up the pistol, I pull out a, a uh, magazine. She was like, I'm calling 911. And she starts calling 911. She's freaking out. She's yelling at me. She runs out of the room. And when she runs out of the room, she goes into a room, this kitty corner from our bedroom. It was the, it was like a playroom. It was one of the, one of the kids' bedrooms. And um, we had a TV in there. So her daughter's in there watching TV. She barricades herself in the room. She locks the door and she calls 911. And I'm sitting here loading the weapon and I, and I get done loading the weapon and I look at it for a second and I'm like, no, 
she wants me to slit my wrists, she's going to watch this. If she wants me to end my life, she's going to watch this. And um, I go to the door. I walk out and I go to the door and I could hear the 911 operator on the phone because she had a speaker. And I go to open door and it's locked. So I just basically put my hand on the door and pushed it really hard and it flew open. And that there was like five seconds of just straight chaos, pandemonium. It was insane. Like her daughter starts screaming. I've got a pistol to my head and I'm screaming at her. Like, you want me to do this? And she's like screaming and she's like, come help us. And the 911 screaming, 911 operator is like, we got help on the way. It was the most insane, probably five or 10 seconds of my life. And I realized that moment I looked over and I saw her daughter, like the, the widest eyes of terror at this time, her daughter's like two and a half. And she called me dad. I was dad to her. And uh, I, I realized I was frightening this little child and they thought I was going to hurt them. And I didn't want to hurt them. I wanted to hurt myself. So I stopped. What I did, I closed the door and I walked downstairs and I went outside up, out back my back patio. And I sat down in a little fold out chair and I called my buddy. I had the pistol there on my lap. I just told him, I was like, dude, I can't do this. I'm sorry. I got, I, I can't be here anymore. Like I can't do this. And he started talking me off the ledge and I was like, and I was like, on the verge of crying. I was like, dude, I don't think you understand. Like cops are on the way. And as I'm saying this, I can hear sirens in the background. And he's like, well, don't worry about it, man. You haven't done anything. And so cop car after cop car, after cop car start riding at my house. It's like 10 cop cars. It's ridiculous. And they get on a loudspeaker on my front yard. That's literally like 40 feet away on the other side of the house. And they're like, Gregory Birch, come out with your hands up, like on this loudspeaker. And I'm like, bro, this is, I'm done. This is over. I can't do this. And he says, uh, he's like, he's like, dude, what have you done? Have you fired the weapon? No. Have you have you hurt anybody? No. Did you hurt yourself? No. You haven't done anything. He's like, unload the weapon. Go talk to the police. Right. And, and so I went back inside, <clears throat> I unloaded the weapon and the, the cops called me and they asked me to come out. So I did. And, <clears throat> um, as soon as I opened the door, as soon as I opened the door, man, this wave of emotion hit me and I couldn't even control myself. I started crying. I, cr I cried so hard and I just lost control. Like they broke down and, uh, I walked up to the first cop I saw. I left the front door open and he could see and, and where I could see there's a picture that's, there's a, there's a flag kind of like this. These are guidons that are from my military service, but there's a big one that's hanging over this mindset poster. It's really big. And it's from when I was in company command, when I was a commander and uh, that was hanging over the TV in my living room at the time. And he sees it and he looks at me and he says, did you serve? And like through my sobbing tears, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, did you deploy? Yeah. And he's like, are you seeking treatment with the VA? No. No. He's like, dude, he brought some stuff back with you. You need some help. You need to. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, don't worry, we're going to get you taken care of me. And that was the, that was the moment I hit rock bottom in my life. That was when I realized like I had a problem and I needed, I needed to change things. So I was unhappy. And, um, I was doing, I was, I was on a, 
rhythmic pattern of doing destructive behaviors that I did not know in the time were destructive, but they were. And, and, um, I, I started treatment. I started treatment. Lo and behold, the, that woman and I did not stay together. <laughs> we stayed together after that, actually, for about five months, trying to limp along and didn't work out. And I continued, I, even though I learned my triggers and I learned what was making me anxious and how my PTSD, I got on medication. I started seeking therapy and I learned what was making me anxious, like the things in my life that would set me over the edge. And so I just started removing myself from them if it ever took place. Like I just knew like, up, oh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm like, I'm removing myself from this situation before it gets too bad. And so I do, but I kept the same toxic behavior of jumping into a relationship. So after her and I broke up, I jumped into another relationship literally within one day. And then I was with her for about a year through most of 2019 and into 2020. Her and I broke up. I started another relationship literally two days later. And <laughs> same thing, same thing all the way through until, and this happened until the end of 2020. When I, when, when my, my last relationship ended in 2020, um, in December of 2020, like at the end of the year, I, um, I was like, man, there's, it's always something like it ended spectacularly bad, you know, but it wasn't on my side. It was more on her side, but still it was just like, there's this stuff is like following me. And my buddy was like having a conversation, same guy. And he was like, you keep finding these crazy women. And I was like, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I, I'm the common denominator here. Maybe I'm the problem. And, um, that was the moment that I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spend this time being single and I'm not going to date. I want to, I'm, I'm going to work on myself. And, um, I was always fascinated with the military. I was fascinated with how the military could take anybody from any walk of life. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what their weight is, what their sex is, but they can take them, put them in one location, control all the variables, and they can make them warriors on a battlefield and they control all the variables of making them exercise daily, controlling what they eat, how much water they drink, taking away alcohol, making them get a specific time, making them be clean or like cleanliness, read and, and learn material. And they have a drill sergeant as, as an external accountability force that drives it. And, and anyone that's been through basic training can tell you at the end of basic training, from the time, if they were to remember from the time they went into basic training to the time they come out, they are a different human being. They're a different person. And it all comes from discipline because they build these discipline habits over time. Now it's forced on them, but they do it. Now, the problem with discipline is that it's, it's a, it's a muscle. Everyone thinks that like, is they look at disciplined people and they think, oh, well, that person's really disciplined. Like they think it's some, some special, um, um, God given ability. It's not, it's a skill or a trait that you can build and grow, but it can also be lost and it loses faster than you gain it. And the problem with basic training is that when you get out of basic training, a lot of people revert back to who they were because they stopped keeping up with those same habits. So I looked at that and said, you know, I'm going to change my life. I used to be in the military. I used to be very disciplined. I've lost it. I'm going to get it back, but I'm going to, I have to hold myself accountable. Right. And this was the kind of the magic and the power of what happened. And I had this transformation in 2021 going into it was I just decided I was going to control certain things. I get rid of all alcohol. I literally poured out all my alcohol in my house. I'm not going to drink. 
I, I started working out every single day, sort of focusing on fitness because I was get at the time I was getting kind of fat, you know, at my height, I was 280 pounds. I'm six, seven, I'm a big guy, but I was six, seven, 280 pounds. And I was getting pretty fat and I, I, I was disgusted with the way I looked at myself in the mirror. Uh, I started drinking, you know, so, so much water every single day just to make sure I was staying hydrated to, to keep up with the load of the workouts. I started reading every single day and I held myself accountable by posting about it every single day because I wanted an external accountability source to where I, I felt like I have to tell the world I'm doing this because if I don't post about it every single day, that means I missed a day. And that means I lied to everybody that I was doing this, right? And that was my accountability source. And over time, it just became a self-accountability, which self-accountability is probably the hardest one to build because 90, 95% of us, we, we lie to ourselves. I'd say 99% of us, we lie to ourselves. I'm going to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to start the day off right. What happens? You end up going to bed, you turn on the TV, you binge watch something for way too long. You go to bed, sleep late. And then that, that alarm clock hits and you hit the snooze. You just lie to yourself. And you might think about it, is that, that, that that's that much, but it's everything. It's everything. Because that tells you in subconsciously what you're telling yourself when you hit that snooze button. They're like, oh, I can set this goal and then I can move it. I can change it to suit how I feel. And wow. That's, and that's the problem. Man. Greg, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. The the oh, good, the bad, and the ugly. I think that transparency is so important and often underutilized. And so I just, you know, it was so great to sit back and hear you reflect on just these events that have led you to where you are. And I guess my reflection kind of as we wrap this up. So you talk about what you did to change your life. And I can imagine feeling like you had this insanely high mountain to climb and the things that you said that you did, things like reading every day, working out, eliminating alcohol, while all of those things are big things, they're also small things. And that to read for one day is not a huge task. To work out for one day is not a huge task. But the reason those things made such a difference for you is because they happened consistently over time. And so that's what I think is the heart of the matter when we talk about discipline. It's not that you're doing something amazing once, but it's that you're doing something that may be small, but is also important. And you're doing it repeatedly over time and you're adding that in as a habit. And if you do that for six months or a year or any prolonged period of time, that's where you're really going to see a difference. And so I appreciate that reminder of something that I think is obviously difficult to think about in the long term, but it starts with just putting in the work and doing the action today. And I think that's something that we can all do. So before we finish up, if anybody wants to learn more about you, if they want to connect with you, where can people do that? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, through this process, I, I had a complete transformation. Like a, a, I'm, a, I'm a completely different man today than what I was then. And so much that people that knew me, started reaching out to me and they're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, how are you different? And I started to help people just because they would reach out. And this is all I'm doing, you know, it's like simple, but it was hard for them to grasp it. And so I, I would basically keep them, I would be their accountability source. And that's how I started coaching. It kind of happened out of happenstance. And I started to help people and change their lives and transform them. And it was the most fulfilling and rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life. And, uh, and I love, I love doing it. 
I really do. And so um, I, I recently started my own company called Delta Fit. And um, it is it is all about helping people to take control of the demons and the vices that control their lives. That can that that you know whether no matter what it is, whether it's a porn addiction, whether it's video game addiction, whether it's screen sucking, uh, food addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever, we all have some kind of vice that's robbing us of productivity. And I I know what it's like, and so I can help you. And it starts with physical fitness. It starts with fitness, but it really goes into mental and spiritual fitness. And so, if you want to learn more about it, you can go check out my website, which is deltafitlife.com. Um, if you want to just get content, I do content daily. I do reels, I do posts, a lot of content in order to help people to grow and change. And you can sh- check out my Instagram, which is Gregory A Birch underscore, um, or my Facebook is which is just Greg Birch. You can find me. Um, and you can, you can message me or DM if you're like, Hey, I want to know about this. I'm more than happy to help, you know, and, and just reach out. And so, um, the one thing I'll say to, to, in closing is that no matter how dark and bleak your situation may seem, I promise you there's a lot of people out there that are suffering in the same way. And there's no reason to suffer in silence. I thought the same thing I was very ashamed, I was very ashamed. And, um, I had a lot of guilt for, and it started from my, started from my marriage and, and I, and I would denied it. I pushed it away because I was like, she cheated on me first. But the, but the fact of the reality is that I was a terrible husband and a terrible father, an example to my children. I, I should not have cheated on her. And I, and I was, I was hiding from taking that accountability because I was blaming her for doing it first. And we know as kids, two wrongs don't make a right. Right. And that ate at my soul, which caused further actions down the road because I kept denying that. And so reaching out and talking to people and talking about your situation, no matter how desperate or dark or bleak or unique your situation may be, I promise you there's people that can help. And I promise you that, th- that there are coaches, there's therapists, there's all kinds of people that can understand your situation, help guide you to a better path. And no matter, guess what? Sometimes when you hit rock bottom, there's only one way, but up and, the night is always darkest before the dawn. So change will always happen. The sun will always rise the next day. So good times can come. Absolutely. Such great reminders of the fact that we control our situation, no matter how dark or bleak it may seem. And I've said this before on the show, but I'll bring it in one more time because I think it's so good. I have a friend who often says, if you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run with someone else. And so I think that we're all better when we, surround ourselves with people who can help. Greg, thanks again for your time, for your wisdom, for your transparency. This was such a great conversation. And I'm glad that we were able to have this. Yeah. And Brady, it's my pleasure to share this with your audience. And uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're, you're helping people. Well, I appreciate it a lot. Thanks, Greg. Same to you. All right, brother. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle and it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. 
If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, a reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in chapter one of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at BradyRoss.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.